This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, now heard in 100 countries and ranked in the top 200 podcasts by Chartable globally. This is Transit Unplugged News and Views. This week, we've got a chock full episode for you. We'll be giving you some headline news from our industry and then a newsmaker interview with Sarah Stickler, who is CEO of WTS, the Women Transportation Seminar, and then a look at the Think Transit Conference, which was recently held in Texas, all the great news that came out of that. All that on this episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views. Now we take a look at headline news. Here in the United States, the president's budget for public transit is up big time. Projects advancing public transit, micromobility are set to receive significantly increased new funding in the months to come from the already passed Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. That landmark legislation, which we've covered extensively here on the podcast, is a cornerstone of the budget submitted to Congress by President Joe Biden. The U.S. Department of Transportation requests total $142 billion. That's a $37 billion increase as a result of the advance appropriations from the bipartisan infrastructure law. U.S. Transportation Deputy Secretary Polly Trottenberg told reporters this will represent a second year of historic levels of funding for the department. This budget includes some $21.1 billion for the Federal Transit Administration to support new and expanded transit services for all communities. Some $4.4 billion has been identified to help fund 15 major transit projects in seven states. Nearly $18 billion will be invested in the Federal Railroad Administration to include funding for Amtrak. Trottenberg said that's to reverse decades of underinvestment in passenger rail and begin the important work to reducing the repair backlog and modernizing the American passenger rail system. I can tell you, I love uh, Amtrak. I just rode it recently to Boston on the Acela train, and it was phenomenal. Great service. The people on the train are friendly. It got me there five hours from Wilmington to Boston, which is, you know, as quick or quicker as it would be to go into an airport parking, doing all the luggage and all that stuff. And the seats are wider. You can walk around. It's fun. I love being on the rail, get to meet interesting people. Just a great experience. I'm so happy the nation is moving forward with investing more in that. When it comes to pedestrian and cycling infrastructure, there's a lot of opportunity there as well. Some state departments in this budget of transportation will be able to use the surface transportation block grant program for bicycle and pedestrian facilities. And the set-aside grant program, meanwhile, is a portion of the surface transportation grant program that has to be used on transportation alternatives. And that program has grown substantially under the infrastructure law. And the money in that program is for smaller scale, often bicycle and pedestrian facilities. Plus, there's a new program to develop a nationwide network of high-speed chargers for electric vehicles. That's getting a billion of the 7.5 billion it was authorized for over the next five years. And there's another 400 million in there earmarked for grant programs to accelerate electric vehicle charging opportunities in rural and underserved communities. So big news coming out of Washington, of course, it still has to be passed by Congress, but that's a look at the budget coming from the president to Congress. In the state of Connecticut, Big news, Governor Ned Lamont uh, said basically they're going to, I'll just read you what he said. He said, we're doing a free bus service now through July 1st, given the fact that inflation is ravaging our country and world, and particular what that means in terms of gasoline prices. Basically, they're announcing a program for 
three fare-free months on riding public transportation statewide in the state of Connecticut. The governor said in most cases, you know, it's going to be $350 a ride or two bucks a ride, whatever that might be. And a lot of those single moms and single parents that could be spending six bucks to and from to go to get their groceries. Now, for the next three months, they'll be able to do that at no cost. And the free fares are offered on all public buses, including CT fast track buses that offer longer routes, as well as local buses that operate within one municipality. Good news for the people of Connecticut who now can get free rides on public transit. And finally, in news from New York and across the world, mass transit and shared mobility provider Swivel, SWVL, went public last week on NASDAQ in a landmark moment for the Egyptian and Middle Eastern tech ecosystems. The Egypt-born and Dubai-based company has listed its shares on NASDAQ through a merger with U.S. women company Queen's Gambit Growth Capital, according to TechCrunch. Swivel is the first company launched from Africa and the second Middle Eastern company to list on NASDAQ via a SPAC merger. Swivel was founded by Mustafa Kandel, Mohammed Now, and Ahmad Sabah in 2017. The trio started the company as a bus hailing service in Egypt and other ride sharing services in emerging markets with fragmented public transportation. Its bus hailing service enables users to make intrastate journeys by booking seats on buses running a fixed route. Swivel offerings have expanded beyond bus hailing services, though, and now the company offers intercity rides, car sharing, and corporate services. Congratulations to the folks at Swivel. And that's it for headline news. Now stay tuned for our newsmaker interview with Sarah Stickler. Sarah Stickler, who's CEO of WTS, an important group representing women in public transportation. And then stay tuned at the end of the episode for a look at the Think Transit Conference and all that came from it. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. We've got with us as our newsmaker interview, Sarah Stickler. She is president and CEO of WTS International, and we are recording this on International Women's Day. What a great uh, coincidence of events. It is. And thank you, Paul. It's exciting to be here with you today. Thanks. Sarah and I met recently at some event in Washington. I don't remember what it was. It was uh, What was that, Sarah? Do you remember? It was our Washington, D.C. chapter uh, gala, their recognition. Christmas party. Yeah, the big holiday party. That was fun, man. By the way, that was one of the first big parties I'd been to, you know, kind of post-COVID. And you guys did a great job of keeping it safe, but making it fun as well. Thank you. It's so great to be back in person and and be able to network with folks again. Yes, exactly. Well, thanks again for being our guest today. Hey, tell us a little bit about WTS uh, and what you all do. Sure. So our mission um, really is about attracting, sustaining, connecting, and advancing women within transportation. We were founded by a small group of women back in the 70s uh, that would organize kind of lunches and workshops, and they deemed them seminars at the time because women were really discouraged from participating in associations. And since then, you know, over the last 45 years, we've grown to this network. We've got over 8,500 members across North America. We are 65 chapters strong and growing, uh, but really just dedicated to making sure that women have uh, access and equity within transportation can, can grow and develop in their careers at the same rate and the same opportunity uh, that men have. That's great. And how long have you been there in your role? I've been with WTS over a little over three years now. now I know a lot of women who are real active uh, on your board, et cetera, but you've had some real luminaries come uh, kind of, I don't want to say grew up in your organization, but something like that. They really have. We have some great uh, transit leaders specifically that have grown up within WTS. They're WTS members. They've grown up within our chapters. 
They're even chapter, you know, have been chapter leaders in their past. Our administrator of the FDA, Nuria Fernandez, um, is a member of WTS, grew up within our chapters. Polly Trottenberg, Nadine Lee over at DART, Inez Evans uh, just was nominated our Indianapolis Woman of the Year just this year. Um, Leslie Richards, Stephanie Wiggins. I mean, the list could really go on. Just the phenomenal women that are engaged with WTS um, and really have kind of grown up and helped establish WTS to who it, who we are today. So you said when you got started, and that's great. Um, a lot of them are good friends of mine and great leaders of our industry. Um, when you started, it started out with lunches and seminars, but you do a lot more than that now. Why don't you tell us uh, some of the activities you do and what areas you... Yes, we have quite a lot of programming um, at WTS International and then also at our chapters. So our chapters are running you know, month, monthly lunch and learns, different technical workshops, tours, networking events. Uh, but then at the international level, we have a lot of professional development opportunities through our signature leadership training for mid-career and executive women. We have our annual conference every year, which is coming up this May. We'll be back in person finally after two years in Seattle, Washington. We have different types of technical workshops there, uh, tours as well, and then as a professional development, kind of those soft skills, leadership development opportunities as well. We then also have a Women Business Owners Roundtable, so we're focused in on helping women uh, become business owners within the transportation industry. And then our foundation, you know, we have a whole foundation arm that really is dedicated to the next generation of women attracting young girls into transportation, starting all the way at kindergarten, all the way up through, you know, undergraduate and graduate programs, a lot of different activities happen there as well, just trying to kind of reach the whole, the, uh, a woman's whole career, so to speak. I know that uh, a group I'm with called the North American Transit Alliance, we provided a scholarship this year uh, for your organization. How can people get involved if, uh, if there are other kind of vendors or groups that want to get involved and sponsor and support what you do there? Mm-hmm. There are multiple ways to get involved with WTS. We have a corporate partnership program, which is an annual um, program with WTS International that provides different opportunities to kind of highlight the work that your organization is doing within our um, mediums and platforms as well. Um, and we also have, you can be a donor for our foundation, help give to scholarships. We have quite a few different scholarships. This year, we were able to bring $15,000 in new scholarships thanks to three of our corporate partners, HD. HNTB and WSP. So a lot of ways to give there as well. Um, and then join as a member. That really is, you know, the best way to get involved. Uh, our, our membership at WTS is individual. Um, so we're always looking to partner with companies. But, you know, if you can't quite do that yet, join as a member of WTS. A lot of great benefits, um, especially kind of within our Mentor Match program and Speakers Bureau, a lot of opportunities uh, to help advance your career. Talk about some of the more meaningful, like the Mentor Match program that you've heard from women directly saying, this meant a lot to me in my life and my career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our mentorship program, whether it be at the international level or within chapters, I would say is one of our flagship programs that has really helped advance women. Um, I think one of the challenges that women have is, is although we call it our mentor program, is women are really good at asking for a mentor. Um, and we tend to see that men are a little bit better at asking for a sponsor. So they'll find someone who will go out and kind of advocate for them. They'll introduce them to that headhunter. They'll put a call in for that job. Um, and women kind of look for that mentor as someone to give them advice and help guide them, but doesn't necessarily advocate for them. And I think one of the things that WTS has done through our mentorship program is really help create those relationships and sponsors that help elevate women. Um, and so we have, you know, a sponsor a mentorship program at our chapter level. We have our mentor match 
program, um, which is a virtual program where any member can connect in and be either a mentee or a mentor um, and really kind of connect throughout kind of all of North America. So an opportunity, you know, to be connected not only with folks within your own geographic region, but just, you know, across the country. So you mentioned North America. Is WTS in Canada as well as the U.S.? And are they anywhere else? Right now, we are in the U.S. and in Canada. In Canada, our chapters in Canada are growing. We'll be um, introducing a Southwest Ontario chapter here, hopefully in the next few months, as their paperwork gets finalized. Uh, but right now, we're U.S. and Canada. And since today is International Women's Day, why don't you speak to that some and maybe tell us about even though this will air a few weeks after it. Tell us about what you all are doing for this day and and what it means uh, to women in our industry, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a great day, not only for International Women's Day, but it's also Women's History Month. So it's an opportunity for us to, you know, really think about all the women we have today, but those that have paved the road, you know, before us. We'll be talking this afternoon with Helen McSwain. She is a member of our board of directors and she is the chair of our Equity, Diversity and Inclusion Committee. This year's theme is Breaking the Bias. So we'll kind of talk about what she's done in her career and what we plan to do with our Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Committee. We'll have some conversations later this month um, with CEOs, uh, both private sector and public sector, kind of hearing their stories and perspectives. And then we're wrapping up the month, um, March 25th, with a story of WTS advancing women. We're going to talk to past WTS chairs, current chair, and future chair uh, to kind of tell the whole story of WTS this month really is an opportunity for us to highlight the women and the work that they've done. Um, it's it's a time when we can highlight our chapter leaders, we can highlight the executives within transportation and really kind of celebrate the progress um, that we've made over, over the last decades, um, but then also have a, you know, a conversation around the progress we still need to make. Right. Who is your chair this year? Paula Hammond is our chair with WSP. Uh, she is our chair and has has guided us through this pandemic. Uh, we've been able to weather the weather the storm, so to speak, really well under her leadership. And then um, in May of this year, we'll have a board transition, and Janet Walker Ford will step in as the chair of the board, um, being our first Black chair in WTS history. So a, a big moment in our history coming up this May. Well, that's great. Yeah, Janet's a good friend. I was just actually with her husband at Jacksonville Transit um, yep. last week visiting them for our television show. So, Sarah, what's on the radar for WTS? What do you all have kind of uh, that, that you've got coming up over this year? What, do you, what are the programs that you're working on? Mm-hmm. Well, we just implemented our new five-year strategic plan. Um, So there's a lot built in and packed into that that is really taking WTS into the future. Um, We're excited to be back in person. We have some new programming that we're going to bring, mentorship program into our women business owners, talking about workforce development. Um, We know that there is a lot of funding and a lot of dollars coming into into the transportation world, um, and we need to be ready to to take on those projects and make sure that we have the, the folks, you know, within our organization and within our agencies to support that work. And we need to make sure that they are representatives of the communities they serve. And so, you know, getting into and really diving into that workforce development, making sure that transportation is an area where young girls can see themselves. Um, So we've got a lot of marketing campaigns um, in the works that we're excited to be launching later this year. And then um, our Transportation U program with our foundation, which is attracting young girls, that's going through a rehaul this year and we'll be launching again this fall. So some exciting things coming from- We wish you the very best as you continue to move forward. We'll link to your website on our website as we post this. Sarah Stickler, President and CEO of WTS International. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Hi, 
I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. Communicating about service improvements is a big, big part of a transit communication professional's work. And internally, service improvements are something transit professionals get very excited about. So excited, in fact, that we can sometimes lose track of the fact that even significant service improvements can leave a few riders behind. What are some good points to keep in mind so that you're promoting service changes in a balanced and realistic way? First, curb your enthusiasm, even if only a little bit. Set your own internal expectations realistically. Yes, you're offering a benefit to most of the community, but it's not the greatest thing since sliced bread, so don't expect everyone to be thrilled. Next, if you can identify who might not be best served by this change, what outreach can you do before the change to help them understand what's happening? Finally, be open to feedback. You're likely to get it on your social media and maybe in your call center. Have anyone who speaks for your organization prepared with talking points and possibly service alternatives that can help some of the people who are missing out. If you'd like to talk more about communicating service changes or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Hi, I'm Mike Bismar, Regional Sales Director for Proterra, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about mentorship, leadership, and kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. Recently, I participated in a panel to give my thoughts on how we can continue to impact kindness in the communities we serve. As part of that inspired conversation, kindness in the workplace and its alignment to company culture was a hot topic. There's a big focus in our industry, like many others, on workforce development and recruiting to fill positions in general. When we speak of recruitment, let's not underestimate the power of retainment as recruitment. If sometimes we take a look at how we treat our current employees and how we're providing opportunities for advancement, mentorship, and leadership, such as the Mentor Match program that today's guest mentioned, it can sometimes be as simple as being kinder to the folks we're already working with. We all get busy, and we need to take a step back and look at the communication between teams, making sure that it's consistent with all departments, it's not siloed, and that we are celebrating success as a whole, and not just communicating when we're asking for something to be done differently or something more. It may seem rudimentary. However, we've all been in that place of realizing the value of a person that leaves, however, not really understanding why they thought to leave in the first place. Company culture surveys, roundtables, and regular communication are all part of that process, but I can't reiterate how simple it can really be sometimes by just saying thanks when it's deserved. To all the mentors and mentees, thanks for continuing to share, advancing our workforces in our industry, and making transit exciting every day. And to all of you, as always, thanks for listening, kindness is cool, and have a great week. This is the final segment of our weekly Transit Unplugged podcast. And today we're taking a look at the Think Transit Conference, which was recently held in Fort Worth, Texas, sponsored by our parent companies, Vontis and Trapeze. And we filmed our television show there and uh, did a lot of recording for the podcast. And it was a great all-around conference. It was amazing, actually. It was filled with people sharing and learning about how they're making transit better in communities with over 400 people there. People took hands-on learning. 50 transit executives spent a day and a half together learning from each other at the executive summit that I helped lead. And it was some amazing times. And there was award ones. Best of all, we had fun getting back together in person from new ideas to project planning tips. Everyone had something amazing to take home from Think Transit. Many folks uh, told us that this is the most valuable conference they attend each year and how much they enjoyed it and look forward to each year. Day one on the Monday started off with keynote speeches from 
uh, Trapeze General Manager Teresa Domingo and Vontas General Manager Peter Axel. And then the big keynote with King County Metro GM Terry White. And it only got more inspiring from there. Terry, as you know, is head of the transit system in Seattle, Washington. And really, words can't do his keynote justice. If you listen to his recent Transit Unplugged podcast interview, you know that Terry came from a low-income, single-parent family, and his mom made sure that he got in the best schools and was able to visit all the things he needed to visit. But it, it couldn't happen without Metro, without the uh, the transit system, because his mom didn't drive. And so Terry White's journey from a young kid in school helping to turn the destination sign for the drivers to now becoming the general manager of Seattle's transit system is an amazing story. And he always wanted to be a bus operator, and he's just about had every other job there except that. But it was a very emotional, raw, vulnerable keynote. It really set the tone for the whole conference. His dedication to giving communities what they need through transit was a real example. Parts of Terry's keynote and a fresh interview I did with him will be featured on our May episode of Transit Unplugged TV. We also had, as I mentioned, an executive summit. This is basically an event that I put together for each of these conferences, the Think Transit conferences, where we bring transit CEOs, anybody with a C in their title, right? CFO, COO, uh, CIO, et cetera, uh, or senior vice presidents and agencies. Basically, it's a chance for executives to share with each other what's happening in best practices in their agency. So we set up panels. So for instance, our panel session number one was on all the top trends, and it included people discussing mobility on demand, effectively working with MPOs and local government, zero fares, and zero emission buses. The panelists include Jameson Auten, who is deputy CEO of Kansas City, Kansas City Area Transportation Authority. He talked about how they're moving forward with their zero fares. And we had a special, unique, like mini panel with Robert Weinroth, who is mayor of Palm Beach County, Florida, Valerie Nielsen, who is interim executive director of the Palm Beach Transportation Planning Agency, and Levi McCollum, who's director of transit planning for Palm Tran down there with Clinton Forbes. And they put together a mini panel to talk about how they work together. The mayor of the government there, who's also the chairman of their boards, and the MPO, the Metropolitan Planning Organization, and the transit agency was quite uh, enlightening and a good example of, of how they can work together to produce great results. It's really the first time I've ever seen anything like that. John Donlin was there, CEO of Userve, uh, who talked about the uh, upcoming role of mobility on demand and microtransit. And then Lauren Skyver, my friend from CEO of Sunline Transit in Southern California, talked about zero emission buses and what they're doing there and having built that West Coast Center of Excellence for training for mechanics and their own hydrogen plant. It was a great session. Session number two for Trends 2 was how to implement effective recruitment, development, and retention in Federal Infrastructure Act and major capital projects. It included Kerry Butler, who is CEO of the Transit Authority of River City, Tark Bakara Malden, who's Chief of Staff of Memphis Area Transit Authority. And they talked about recruiting and retaining operators and skilled mechanics, a great uh, dual session. Rich Sampson, Executive Director of the Southwest Transit Association, brought us up to date on what's happening with federal funding here in the U.S., Arno Legrand, who's CEO RATP Dev USA, talked about the importance of contracting, the role it can play in successful public transportation. And the and then Gary Rosenfeld moderated the whole session. And Sam Sargent also spoke about the big projects going on in Austin, Texas. Then I did a presentation on post-pandemic leadership. You'll get to see some of that on the episode of Transit Unplugged TV. And then we had a panel session three, getting riders back on the bus and customer experience, transit's response to homelessness and mental health and equity inclusion. A great panel kicked off by Alex Wiggins, CEO of the New Orleans Regional Transit Authority, Robbie Mackinnon, 
the CEO of Kansas City Area Transportation Authority. Both of them talked about what they're doing in their communities with equity and inclusion and responding to homelessness and mental health, as did Steve Bland, who is CEO of Nashville Metropolitan Transit Authority, WeGo Transit, and then Laura Kaprowski, CEO of Toledo Area Regional Transit Authority, was there, as was Francis Julian, Deputy CEO of the Regional Transportation Commission of Southern Nevada uh, in Las Vegas, to talk about those topics. It was a really high-powered and powerful panel. And then we had uh, what I call perspectives, a panel which uh, included views from younger leaders and older leader transit leaders, and then the role of DBE, WBEs, and the role of kindness in transit. It was a great session moderated by my friend, Misha Wanick-Libman, who is the executive editor of Mass Transit Magazine. And we had Paul Tolliver, who recently helped me put together a top seven over 70 panel, talking about the history of public transit in the United States and where it's at now. And we had Brittany Farr and Shofi Ol-Azam, who are both winners of Mass Transit Magazine's Top 40 Under 40 Awards this year. Brittany is Director of Government Relations at the Denton County Transportation Authority. She spent many years, uh, however, at uh, the Dallas Area Rapid Transit with Gary there. And uh, she had a powerful speech about the role that transit played in her life personally and what she's, what she's pushing for now with it. And Shofi was there. He's the Operations Innovation and Performance Manager for KCATA. And he talked about some of the new innovations they're doing, like warm pavement at bus stops. Really interesting. Bridget Beato, who's CEO and owner of Luminor Consulting Group, talked about the importance of and best practices in working with WBEs. And Mike Bismeyer, a regular contributor here to the program, talked about kindness uh, and its role in public transit. That was just some of what we covered in this year's Executive Summit. Then after, on Tuesday afternoon, it wouldn't be Think Transit without a Transit Unplugged CEO Live Roundtable. This year, we put together a great panel, including Holly Arnold, CEO of the Maryland Transit Administration in Baltimore, my good friend Randy Clark, CEO of Cap Metro in Austin, Texas, Alex Wiggins, CEO of New Orleans RTA, and Tom Egan, CEO of MV Transportation based there in Dallas. And we learned about these dynamic leaders, their career journeys, their vision for the future of transit, from Holly Arnold sharing lessons learned from implementing their big route reboot called Baltimore Link, to Randy Clark sharing updates on their big $7 billion capital improvement program approved by the voters. It was an inspiring and important event. This panel will be part of um, both a Transit Unplugged podcast and future Transit Unplugged TV episode. We filmed the full episode of our TV show there. It's really high quality. You're going to really enjoy it. Uh, it includes interviews, all the ones I've talked about, but also one-on-one -on -one interviews with Terry White, CEO of King County Metro, John Sisson, CEO of Delaware Dart, Holly Arnold, and Sean Adgerson, CEO and COO of MTA Maryland. Highlights of the conference, plus all these interviews, plus a fun segment, How Do I Get There? Riding Local Transit. It comes to you on May 13th on YouTube. You should go right now. Click on YouTube on your phone and uh, go to the Transit Unplugged TV channel and subscribe. Once a month, we're bringing you a half-hour TV show unlike anything else you can see. It's a great program. Next year's Think Transit was announced. will be held in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City. I can't wait to be there again next year for this great, fun, and informative and inspirational conference. And thanks for being with us each and every week here on Transit Unplugged as we bring you the best of public transit around the world. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views with our guest, Sarah Stickler. Thanks, as always, to our regular contributors, Ilya Carey and Mike Bismeyer. Next week on Transit Unplugged In-Depth, Paul's talking with Adelie Legrand, CEO of Heart in Tampa. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, 
feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.